Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Hidden gems. Well, bless your ears, baby. I listen to hidden gems every night before I go to bed. I listen to hidden gems in the kitchen. Hidden gems. Welcome back to Hidden Gems. Today we're joined by Shimmy Ojale and my co-host Keenan Holdman. Shimmy is yeah. power forward for the Boston Celtics. Thanks for coming on, bro. Nah, I appreciate you having me, man. Well, right now you're uh, you're not doing too much. You're doing quarantine like the rest of us, dealing with this COVID nineteen situation, and that was a tough way to end a promising season. How does it feel to have everything come to a halt so quickly like that? Uh, it's kind of a I think it was a shock for everybody. At first, we didn't really believe it. We're kind of thinking we'd be back in a couple of days or a week. And uh, now we're looking at, about, uh, I think, three weeks coming up right now that we haven't played. So it's it's just been a shock and an adjustment. Yeah. What have you been up to during this quarantine? I know you got a busy schedule compared to most, but what does your day-to-day look like now that you're in quarantine? I mean, uh, first couple of days, I was just like, it just felt weird, like not having to wake up for practice, not having to go to the gym and, and get workouts in to get ready for the next game or watch film. But couple of weeks I've just been trying to I mean first of all getting the word I mean I did that regularly during the season but now it's like I've got extended time to just read and pray and, and see where guys got me and then uh after that I really just lift and run I mean I can't really touch a touch a bar go shoot I mean I can dribble but there's really almost so much ball handling you can do and then uh right. <laughs> after yeah. I work out that I just try to connect with some people I mean a lot of people are scared right now Family checks in with me and checking with my friends. You know, there's people that might be older or someone that might know someone that's sick. And you just try to try to connect with them. And then uh, to try to really build on that, I started a, a text community. So I got a second number, goes on my phone. I just try to talk to as many people as possible. I put it on IG and I keep trying to push the number out. And people ask questions on, on faith, on what I'm doing, on the Celtics. And I think right now it's really been helping because I think a lot of people are used to going to games and, and seeing people interacting. And the best way we can do it now is virtual. But the blessing we have is that we have all these ways of interacting that you know don't require us to be face-to-face, whether it be online or over text or Skype or Zoom or anything like that. So I'm trying to take advantage of that. And on top of that, I've just been gaming. I'm on Twitch. I'm playing my yeah. board. <laughs> <laughs> doing that for hours like late night probably from eight till till two i'm on i'm on the game playing you know something yeah and we'll, we'll get into that later and i also definitely want to get back and touch on that faith aspect later in the podcast but before we get into that i'd like to take a step back and kind of go through your journey to start this off just growing up and then your time in college and how you got to where you are now if you could just kind of give us a a quick run through of you know your journey yeah I guess it uh, probably starts with my parents. I just say they, they immigrated from Nigeria. Um, my dad wanted to become a doctor, and it just wasn't really possible for him to, to do it at the, the highest level in, in Nigeria. The opportunity wasn't really there. So uh, he immigrated over, brought my family over here. He had a tough time getting over, but you know, God got him through his troubles of uh, establishing himself, passing the exams and whatnot, and then they had me over here. And then uh, you know, we grew up in Kansas because he went to KU. So I grew yeah. up in a town not a whole lot to do really a cow town so it was really <laughs> either try to make it out or just stay there and work and uh yeah. basketball was my ticket out you know uh, i knew that from a young age i really loved it and uh, it's all i wanted to do i didn't want to do school or follow my dad in his footsteps or anything like that so i just hooped all day and you know getting into high school i, I realized that i was gonna have to work a lot harder if i was gonna make it to college because being from a small town you think you're good but you step outside of it and you start getting cut up. So uh, right. you know, 
I realized that hard work was going to get me there, and that's what I focused on, and, and it got me a long way in high school. You know, I had a good high school career, won a state championship, I'm feeling great. I'm getting some scholarship offers, and um, eventually Coach K calls, and I'm like, yeah, sign me up. I like, can't pass it up. So right, yeah. <laughs> I go to Duke and step on campus, and it's just like a culture shock. I'm like, I've never been away from home that long. My campus, people are drinking. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, there's girls everywhere. You know, I'm trying to figure out when I should wake up for practice and figure out when to do my homework. And they're killing us on the court. And I'm like, this is crazy. I'm tired. I'm stressed. I remember calling my mom like the first week. I'm like, mom, I can't handle this. Like, I'm, I'm crying to her on the phone. Like, this is tough. And uh, she's like, you know, just stick it out. So uh, I do. You know, I, I try to grind it out. And you know, between trying to figure out, you know, what to eat and how to get through conditioning, uh, my first year does not go well. I didn't play well. And as soon as that happened, coach pretty much benched me for the rest of the year. So that was tough. You know, just trying to overcome that and realizing that uh, I wasn't going to play that first year after being like the man in high school. So yeah. that year ends. I'm like, man, you know, what am I going to do? You know, people are like, uh, you know, stick it out. You'll, you'll get better. So I stayed that summer, put work in, you know, finally kind of adjust to being away from home. And second year rolls around, I'm feeling good, playing well. The preseason hits, I'm playing well still. And then the uh, first couple regular season games, I can't remember what the stat was, but I think I, think I shot like one for something awful. And pretty much, again, the same story, like the twilight zone. Coach benches me and it's quiet. You know, we get to like game eight of that year, like December-ish. And my AU coach calls me. And he's like, man, like, if you really want to you know, get to the next level, I know the NBA is your goal. You're going to have to pack it up because this is not a good situation for you. And that hurt thinking about the thought of leaving Duke, leaving the opportunity and, and realizing that I, you know, I, I failed at that moment in my life. You know, being was a 19, almost 20 years old, like, man, I, I really couldn't cut it here. And uh, not knowing where I was going to go was tough. So mm-hmm. yeah. Coach K, I'm like, yo, like, um, I thank you for the opportunity, but I, I need to I need to go somewhere else. He's like, do you know where you're going to go? I said, no. And he's like, what a mistake. And I was like, oh, man, that's tough, too. I mean, I guess to the, on the outside looking at it, it did look like a mistake leaving Duke. But, you know, I just knew that my goal was being the NBA and that where I was, I was stuck. So I needed a fresh start. And uh, I go home. I'm sitting at home, not talking to anybody. I'm like, I just feel, I don't want to talk to my friends. And I'm like, man, they just watched me go there just completely crash and burn. So sitting at home, working out. Not yeah. knowing what to do. First person that calls me is, is Coach Brown at SMU. As soon as NCAA allows him, he calls me, comes to the house the next day and, and says he wants me to play for him. And in that moment for him to, to do that as a Hall of Fame coach and be like, I believe in you. I, I really want you to come play for me. I'm like, man, I, I trust this guy. And I uh, I had other schools calling that recruited me earlier, but you know, Coach Brown was the one that I felt like really was going to give me another shot. And uh, I go to SMU and I decide to go there within, uh, I think, two or three days and get on campus and, and start the journey to try to try to get back. And I realized I had to sit out for six months until you know the end of that year and then the start of the next season. The summertime comes and, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I'm getting ready to play. And my AU coach calls me again. He's like, SMU has a sanction on them. Their priest or their postseason is going to be canceled because back then violations that they just found out about. So that would leave me like 20 games to play that year with no postseason. He's like, if you play that, it means you're going to be a senior next year and have basically one season to play. But if you sit out, you'll have two full years to play instead of just one. So it made sense to sit out again. Now, mind you, I've been sitting out for a year already. I'd have to sit out another right. count year. Plus, you know, I didn't really play my freshman or sophomore year. So it'd been a while since I really got to play. And this is when I really hit a wall. 
And this is when I got depressed. I'm already not really talking to people because I just transferred schools. I don't know people. I couldn't travel with my teammates until I think after a year of actually like being a transfer because you can't go on the road with them. And this is when God really like tapped me on the shoulders like, Shim, like you're not really talking to me. Like you come to me when you need something. You come to me when you feel like you're a little lost and you, know, you need a little, a little scripture. But uh, on the day of the day, like you don't really, you don't really have a relationship with me. So that's why I'm like, God, like I need purpose. Like I, I don't, I don't even know why I'm living right now. I'm just kind of existing. And uh, mm-hmm. I decided to spend time with God every day. And it started off with just 30 minutes. You know, when that happened, that's when I felt like I had purpose outside of basketball. Now I still had to wait, still had to work out, still had to get better. But you know, inside, I knew that whether or not basketball worked out, I had a God that loved me, that cared about me, and was gonna give me purpose beyond when I was playing and you know for the rest of my life. So you know, senior year rolls around, you know, I have a good year, God helps me through that. And then, you know, at the end of that year, I'm like, man, I'm twenty two years old and I need to to try and make this move now. So enter the draft, go through the draft process and uh the Celtics picked me up in the second round. And you know, I remember crying that day, being with my family, because it just been a couple of years of just craziness and a, a long journey. But God brought me there and I've started this three year journey on the in the NBA, and God's been there every step of the way. You know, I haven't been perfect. There's been ups and downs, but yep. you know, just the lesson I learned in college just stuck with me till now. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I feel like, you know, I think that's incredible. You know, I obviously don't know you as well as Justin does. I know your game. I've watched you play. But from that story, man, I think I think that's incredible. And, you know, the, the one thing I found interesting, I think well, all three of us can attest to this because at one point, Justin and I were we transferred from the school from schools that we started at when we were freshmen. It's a that's like a that's a serious it's not an easy process, especially right. for you going from a, a power five, right. um, things like that to on that scale. But that's still that's a that's a trying process, especially, you know, as a recruit when you go in you feel like the like this is the school, like I feel like I can see myself doing really good things here and the coaches and whatever, you, all this stuff just seems really great and when you get there Sometimes it's not like maybe a lot of times it's not always somebody didn't like me there. So I had to leave. It's just, it just right. wasn't a good fit. Right. You know? yep. And so uh, it's nobody's fault. I mean, it's just kind of how the dominoes fell, but I want to hit on your time at Duke and really just like how coach K has this stigma around him as one of the best, the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. Like, what do you feel like? For him and, and being part of Duke, like, how do you take him? How do you feel about him? How do you feel about your time at Duke? Yeah. About the program yeah. in general? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, I always tell people, if I could do it again, like, I'd still, I'd still go to Duke. I learned from him so many things just about being disciplined, about um, watching him motivate the team, about uh, the way he conducted himself as a true coach and, in many ways, a professional at the NCAA level. You know, I think – you know, if I had played better, if I'd been in a better situation, if I came in in a different class, you know, my experience would have been completely different and that I would have been a, a better situation, a better fit. You know, I think the situation I came into, me not playing well, the guys that I was playing with or that were ahead of me, like Jabari Parker, like uh, Rodney Hood, they were already there. You know, it made it tough for me to find playing time and coach. Right. He's one of those guys that, you know, winning comes first. So, you know, I take all the blame for the situation. And obviously he's won because, you know, he knows how to win. And whoever's ready, whoever's playing well at that time, he's going to play them. So he is a great coach, a great motivator. Um, as far as developing guys, I think it's not the best place if you're not 
you know, going to hit the ground running. You know, I think there are other schools, probably other coaches that, you know, get guys and realize that they might not be ready and, you know, might help them get along a little quicker. But, you know, Duke is tough. They expect them to win, and they've done that at a high low for a long time. Yeah, like we talked about, I mean, everybody's experience is different. But, I mean, for me, even too, you know, the experiences that I took from my time before I transferred, and I'm sure you could say the same, are, are very valuable either way. Um, no matter how you look at it, I'm sure those expectations at Duke were even higher, you know, especially coming in as a high school kid. Right. And everybody's great in high school, but then you make that turn to the next level and, you know, everybody's as good as you. So it's definitely a big adjustment that everybody has to make. That's interesting. How important for your basketball career was that change to SMU? And how important was it for you as a person and a player to spend that time at SMU finishing up college? Man, it was, uh, I guess it was a, a turning point, not to be cliche about it, but like it really, it really was. I mean, when I, when I left, I really felt like I just had no reason, no, no purpose for just living really. Cause basketball has been everything to me. Like it's sad to say, but it was like, it was like my God and like my idol at that time. And that was like the first time in my life that I had taken away. Like I'd never been seriously injured. Thank God. And, um, I'd always played as much as I wanted to play, but I transferred on something like I had to sit out. I didn't know yeah. people. I couldn't hang with my teammates. I didn't really know them either. And I'm just sitting there like, man, like, what am I doing? And God got a hold of me, so my relationship with him grew. And then as a player, I got to just hone in on my skills just by myself and just find that love for the game that you that you have as a kid playing in the driveway again in college. And I think that time alone helped me to kind of solidify who I was. And then when it was time to, to play and get to know people, I was better for it. Yeah, for sure. Let's move into your time with the Celtics a little more. You had an interesting role with the Celtics coming into the league and, and coming off the bench, but also playing a role of a lockdown defender. What was it like for you to kind of embrace that role and be in a new environment and even, you know, get some playoff starts and be thrown in the mix at different times? You know, your experience has been up and down, but you've been steady through all of it, which is pretty remarkable. Can you speak on, you know, your experience so far? I think I'd probably credit my time in college sitting out for uh, helping me when I got here. I mean, uh, you know, high school, you're getting buckets, and I think we can all, if we played in college, can attest to being in high school, being the man and, and doing kind of what we wanted. And then I got to college, I had to sit out. And then, uh, you know, I had a good senior year, but I knew that when I got to the NBA, my role would change again. So I had that in mind. I didn't know what my role was going to be. You know, I think yeah. my biggest thing is just, winning and, and playing to help my team win so however I can do that I'm going to try to do it and I think I realized that when I look to my left and I see Kyrie and Al Horford and, and uh, Gordon Hayward I'm like man not too many wow. shots away <laughs> so I'm like yeah. man I, I better do everything I can to, to impress coach so every time there's a loose ball like I was diving for it you know, every time you know someone said talk or or be in the corner or spring back on defense like, I'm going to do it because that's really the only way I'm going to get on the court. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not even going to have a chance to get a shot up, much less, you know, get buckets out here. So I just embrace that because, I like, the biggest thing for me, even when I was scoring and not scoring, is winning. Like, it might sound like it's corny, but, like, if you no, really for sure. play this game long enough, you realize that no one remembers who got buckets or you guys lost. I mean, they, <laughs> they'll quickly say that, uh, you know, he, he scored this many points, but his team lost, or he can't win, or he can't lead his teammates. But if you were part yeah. of a winning team everyone on the squad is lifted up and is that much better for it and uh, it helps your career you look back on it with such a sense of fulfillment you know if you win so that's just what I'm part of and um, right now that's all I'm focused on 
Yeah, and I mean, you were parade national player of the year in high school. You were, you know, conference player of the year in college, and you had to turn around and restart that over. And I think that is something that a lot of guys struggle with, you know, even yeah. from high school to college, but especially getting into the pros is like maintaining that professionalism. And a lot of guys that never had to struggle with that don't pan out the same way because they've never been mentally prepared to deal with it. So that is really interesting. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about how professional you carry yourself. And I think that's invaluable when you get to that level for sure. Yeah, I think it, it goes a long way, like especially at that level as a pro when, you know, you do have interviews and like these GMs and things like that, coaches, like they take that and they use it in the future because, you know, like free agency or whatever, mm-hmm. every, everything is always an interview. Mm-hmm. You know, the way you play, the way you carry yourself, you know, everything is an interview. And so they take that stuff into account. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, the things that you're talking about signal a lot to uh, Brad Stevens. I think he's a hell of a coach mm-hmm. and I think he knows what he's doing. So tell us a little bit about how you enjoy playing for Brad Stevens and what you think of him as a as a coach and as a person. Uh, I think Brad is is great. I think the best thing about him is that he he's all about winning. He doesn't care about the I guess you know what people would normally think. You know I think a lot of coaches wouldn't play rookies or would be afraid to play you know guys that are undersized. I mean you see the team that we have now. Like we have a lot of guys that are like man like I don't know if he fits here. I don't know if um he can do this well. But he knows his players well enough to to put us out there and, and uh, put us in the best position possible. I think. He sees and, and always wants to have the best guys out there and realizes that it's more about, you know, how guys fit together and what kind of guys you have on the court than necessarily on paper talent or what people think um, is best. Sure. And I think it's, it's proven itself to be to be true for us. I think you know, there's been a, the last three years that I've been here, some sometimes that people looked at us and been like, you know, the Celtics, I don't know if they have this or that, but we've won because we stuck together. You know, I know when Kyrie and, and Gordon went out my rookie year, people didn't think we were going to win, but... You know, I think coach got us all to buy into the fact that if we did our jobs and did what we did best every night, we'd have a shot. And we uh, we went pretty far. So um, I think this year, too, we've we've all bought in and accepted the role that we've been given and, and try to do it the best that we can every night. And uh, until the season got stopped, I thought we were playing well and, and starting to come together. And, you know, we had our ups and downs, but having a team that, that buys in goes a long way. And he's, you know, obviously the, the head of that. No doubt about it. A team. When you have players that just care about winning and you're really invested in each other, which from a fan's point of view, you may not always see that in the NBA because you see a lot of iso ball and you just feel like a lot of guys are just there to get theirs and some of these guys aren't really for the team. But then you have teams like Boston that you're on that really, they're invested in each other. And you, you hear it all the time, they're, they're open about it to the media that they're in it for each other and we're going to make it known that I'm going to fight for that guy next to me and I'm going to fight for my coach and I'm going to fight for our fans and everything like that. And that goes a long way. Um, and that, that breeds championship uh, basketball without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and speaking of championships, <laughs> Boston is a, I mean, that's like a, that's what they would be like a blue blood in the NBA. You know, that's a historic franchise. Do you ever like just stop yourself and realize that you're playing for such a historic franchise in the league that is worldwide and has such great history to it and the players that's come before you? The, the crazy thing is like you can't, you almost can't forget it in this town or wherever we go. I mean, uh, we'll go to different cities and, and <laughs> be cheering louder for us than they are for the home team. And um, <laughs> 
it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like fans from all over the world will, will DM you or hit you up and be like, yeah, I'm from London or from Brazil or from all these places. And uh, it just hits you that you're a part of something that's way bigger than, than you could ever be. So um, the only way that you're going to make an impact is is by winning. You know what I'm saying? They've had you know, guys that score a lot of points or, you know, filled up the stat sheet in a lot of ways. And, and that's great. But I think, you know, if we focus on, on winning, humble yourself to realize that if I can uh, buy into what they're doing here and, and the championship culture, then I'll be a part of something great. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to move a little more into, you know, your individual development. You're known as one of the strongest dudes in the NBA, but you're also a highly skilled player. What have you done? We'll start on the physical side. What have you done to develop your body physically? I know from your time in college, even you've you've had a, a strong frame, but you know what have you done to develop and push that limit physically? I mean, I think you know, people ask me all the time, like, how do you how do you get strong? And obviously, like one one is like genetically, like you kind of you have that makeup, like that's that's God given. But on the other hand, like I think I've been very consistent in my sure. work. And uh, I think I've been consistent in the way that I approach each lift. Like, there's never a lift where I'm like, man, I'm going to you know, give it 80% today or, or skip reps. Like, when I'm in there, like, I think all my strength coaches and teammates will say that uh, I'm trying to almost kill myself when I'm in there. And uh, it's not <laughs> to, to prove a point, but it's just to push myself because I know that if I put in that work, then I'll have no regrets when I get done. And uh, we have a short, short time to do this. So that's, you know, what I have to do to, to try to make an impact. And, you know, I think I've, I've done that so far. And I think along with the strength is trying to maintain some mobility. So working on lateral quickness, working on explosion, trying to stay flexible. Because, I mean, the, the guys out there aren't only strong, but they're fast, they're quick, they're agile, like their movements are fluid. So if you can keep up with those guys and, and still have that strength, I think it helps you be more effective. Yeah, and that's interesting you say that. I don't know. A lot of people might not know this, but, you know, your training regimen has kind of changed. You know, when you were at Duke, it was a little heavier, and then you've you've kind of turned and, and focused more on mobility to kind of balance it out. Um, and one of those people that's been really helpful for you is is Paul Fabritz, PJF. How has training with Paul changed your regimen and made an impact on you athletically and physically? And so right. if you could expound on, you know, Paul's impact. He, uh, he's been great because, I mean, I think as uh, as strength coaches, especially when you see someone that's strong, I think you, you kind of start to lick your chops a little bit. Like, man, I can make this guy even stronger. Like, he's a freak. Like, let me try to see. <laughs> right, yeah. And yeah. I've had <laughs> feedback with me, and uh, <laughs> it just wasn't it wasn't right for me. I mean, uh, I think the best thing he's done is just realize that I have this base of strength. You know, I'm a guy that – is going to always push myself. So, you know, the strength isn't something we're trying to gain at this point. You know, you, you want to stay strong. You want to, you know, keep what you have. But I think it's more about, you know, being explosive, being in, in uh, even better shape. Because that's another thing about having strength. If you wear down quickly, then there's there's no point. You know, you see the best guys in the league. You know, they're great because, you know, their best step, their best rep, their first or second quarter when they're feeling great is it's amazing but they last you know in the fourth they're running just as fast as they were in the first so right. um, conditioning is a big part of lifting now so doing more reps for higher intensity we're taking um less of a rest and i think all that is kind of culminated into me feeling better on the court and, and uh producing more sure and i also i thought it was interesting when i read that you know paul said genetically like you said you'd still have a great nba body but the way that you've grinded and been consistent that's what's really separated you and set you apart as athletically being ahead of even those in the nba 
Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy thing to think about, but I think the, the number of guys that play basketball around the world is, is unimaginable. And there's always somebody working. And the difference between an NBA athlete and someone that's playing in another league overseas or a college guy is not it's not that much. So um, sure. being so small, you have to have to put in that work because there's only a few LeBrons and, and Zions and, and guys of that caliber that you know just have that other world athleticism. The rest of us have to grind and, and make it a game of inches and seconds. Sure. So, you know, how do you think, like, how important has, like, the Celtic staff been in this process? Like, what guys on that staff that you feel like has helped you in your game since you've been with the organization? One, I say uh, Scott Morrison. He's the assistant coach that I worked with when I first got here, and I still work with him now. And then I say Gordon after that. Those two, I remember that first summer we went to the San Diego workout with Gordon, and him and Scott – and I, like, we've been working together for three years, and we just kind of hit it off. You know, first of all, I thank Gordon for even letting me work out with him. I mean, I was a rookie. You know, he's an all-star, you know, you know, one of those uh, superstar players. And, uh, you know, let me work with him that summer, um, all season working together. And he just pushed me, and I saw his work ethic and, you know, the elite player that he was. So I always had to try to lift my level to try to match him. And then Scott, you know, just showed me the ropes. I mean, he was the, the head coach for the main Red Claws for the G League team for – I think the two years before he got with the Celtics. And uh, he's just been the guy that just showed me how to, not necessarily how to work, but how to work smarter. So, you know, me, I'm always trying to grind, smash it. And, you know, for him, he's he's been through a, a longer season. So he knows how to not only work, but, you know, keep yourself fresh and work at a at a smart pace. Because that's the thing about the NBA. If you go sure. uh, at that breakneck college pace that you got, like, you won't last. And if you burn out in the league, it's going to be too late. The season is 82 games, yep. playoffs. And the mental grind and the consistent pressure from, you know, fans and the media, you know, it can get to you. So, you know, him being through that just kind of helped me to to adjust to it and, and asking questions on how do you how do you work smarter, not harder. Right. And off of that, you talk about, you know, being diligent and working smart. And you've done the same thing when it comes to skills and your offseason being very consistent. When you work with Pure Sweat, that's where I've gotten to know you and help with your workouts and been a part of that. How much has Drew Hanlon helped you and changed you as a player since coming into the league and in the Pure Sweat fam? Drew's been uh, invaluable as well. I mean, uh, I think the the biggest thing about Drew is he's going to get you right mentally. Because, I mean, you know, he can teach you all the moves, but, you know, if you are in the right frame of mind to do those things on the court, then it's not going to help. So I think just the relationship that he's helped us build is just been great. And, you know, just the trust that I built with him. And I guess the I think he, he tries to have a family atmosphere in there. Like you just go in there, you know, you're going to work and uh, it's not going to be a, a production. You know, I think a lot of times when you get to this level, um, a lot of things around you just seem kind of fake. And he's never been about that. For sure. Yeah. We get the work in. We got you know guys from college. We got other uh, trainers in there. You know, we got guys that just want to learn the game, just love the game. And I think that's what makes it a great atmosphere and it's helped me to grow so much. Yeah, absolutely. Moving into your faith aspect a little more. How, how much of a difference, you've touched on it, but how much of a difference has it made for you and how have you grown as a Christian, you know, through your journey? And, you know, the NBA lifestyle is tough. It can it can be very challenging for any person. And how much has your faith made a difference and kept you grounded as you have this NBA career? It's been like everything. When I say everything, like on the court, off the court, you know, good times, bad times, like guys being there for me. And I'll say that uh, 
I just thank you for being patient with me in this journey. I think, um, you know, people see me share about my faith or, or talk about it openly and be like, man, you must be a, a great Christian or I see you do something good. Like you, you must be really close to God. And, you know, I've, I've worked at it, but it's a journey every single day. And every single day, like I need the same grace that I did when I didn't know God. So I think my comment, I guess my encouragement to people is to not think that you're not close enough to God or that you'll never get there because even those yeah. of us that have known God for a while or have you know advanced in our faith like we're still learning things we still have bad days we still have days when we're like man like that was not godly you know what I was doing today like was not right and God still loves us as much on our worst days he does on our quote-unquote best day and that's the the best thing about him is just that he just really sticks with us and takes the time to keep working on this no matter how far away we drift or how much we neglect him or how much we think we know you know he still keeps working on us because he wants our absolute best and just being in the nba um as a challenge a lot of distractions a lot of people that will say negative things a lot of opportunities to uh to do things that might jeopardize your career and uh i think sure. the word having good people around me that that also believe in god has, has helped me to get this far because if i didn't have those people and this faith i, I definitely wouldn't be here yeah, absolutely. And and I also I think it's really cool. I, you know, you post devotionals every day on yeah. your your IG and that reaches a lot of people. You have a great platform to do that. And it's really cool how you use that. Off of that, before we let you go, we're going to hit you with a few questions for a speed round. I'll let Keenan ask the first one, but you just fire off answers before we let you go. All right, let's do it. So, like like Justin said, you you post, you know, devotionals uh, on your IG every day. What's your favorite Bible verse? So that's a great question, but I'll just say that my favorite, I guess, section of the Bible is Paul's letters to the churches. So he writes Romans up until, I believe, James or John. And in each letter, he basically tells them what they've done wrong, what they need to improve on, and like how much God loves them and how he wants to correct them. So my favorite one that I've been telling people, especially this time, is Romans 8.38. It says that in all these things, we're conquerors through him that loved us and not death, not life, not angels, not demons, not things present, not things to come, not height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ. And right now, um, especially with how you know certain things are and how scared people are, it just reminds us that not even the corona or the threat of death or you know the loss of our finances or the economy or anything can stop God from loving us and giving us you know, eternal life. For sure. Yeah, that's dope. Appreciate that. Like you say, you're stuck in quarantine, and from 8 to 2, you're on that Twitch stream. What, what's your best video game? Uh, right now, I think I'm best at, at Call of Duty. Like, I, I'm starting to really uh, start to pick it up on there. Um, I've been playing that a lot. I've been playing Apex Legends. Uh, really, it's not a game that I really haven't tried out except for 2K. we got so much time right now. <laughs> right, yeah. You've been playing Warzone or multiplayer? I, I, I can't stand Warzone. Like, it's so... <laughs> Bro, every every time I drop in, bro, I like pick up a gun, back. Or like we we grind for like you know twenty minutes, you know, kill a few people, get to like the last zone, sniped. I'm like, no, like I can't, I can't do this, bro. Oh, I I can't stand it. No, for sure. I mean, it's some of the pure sweat. Myers is an elite COD player, and there's some other good NBA players. Would you rank yourself in that top tier of? you know, NBA gamers? I, I think so. I mean, I think, I think if you watch one of my streams, some of my clips, I think I'm I'm up there. You know, I think we all spent a lot of time on it. And uh, I've gamed with Myers before when he was playing Fortnite. And uh, he's a he's a good player. Um, no doubt about it. 
Who's the Who's the best gamer on the Celtics? Who's the Ooh, Gordon's good, but he plays like he plays like League of Legends and like <laughs> he can play like. No, okay, League of Legends is tough. Like I don't know, I don't even know how to play. I'm just saying, like he doesn't play like 2K or Call of Duty ever. So I think on the Celtics, as far as like those games go, I'm I'm the best. But VP is good. Tice is good. I think Smarty plays a little bit too. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Keenan, you got the next one. Who's the so so? Who's like your funniest teammate? Who's the funniest teammate you've had so we far? Got, we got a funny, we got a funny squad. Period. Definitely, I think consistently is probably smart. Like smart is like, <laughs> oh, bro. Like I, I love, I love smart because he he brings energy like every day. Like no matter what's going on with smart, like he gonna bring it. And uh, you don't find too many people like that, man. All right, who's the funniest pure sweat guy? <laughs> uh, I probably go. Uh, I think I think Kelly, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Uber, like, bro, the fact that he wears, like, a beanie to workouts and, like, all of his ice is just, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Kelly is, like, it's hilarious, bro. Yeah, I mean, you got JC wearing little caps. That's what I'm saying. Shaq is jokes, too, because he, <laughs> like, he yeah, works so hard and so mad at himself. Be like, Shaq, like, bro, you grinding, like, so hard right now. Like, give yourself, give yourself a little love. <laughs> but, now nah, we got some good guys in there, all of them. So, before we ask this last question, I got to. I'm gonna add one in here. I just want to know when y'all on plane, when y'all on the plane, y'all heading yeah. home or whatever, and you just on the plane. Are there card games? Are there dominoes? What's we kind of shifted. My first year, we were big on. We played a lot of Uno, a lot of Space. Those got like those got fired. Uno, especially with like four or five guys, like it was crazy. And we played like if you had like the same card, you could just like throw it down. So that was getting crazy. Oh, you um, play crazy Uno. Yeah, that, oh, I, people call it but we played it. Yeah. That was just the normal way we played. So we were throwing cards, like draw four, draw eight. Like, it was wild. My second year, the cards games were kind of different. I'd probably say it was more spades and then uh, more dice, too. And the dice games, like, bro, it was like $100 hands. So that was no <laughs> 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 I'm like... I'm like, nah, I'm looking at my wallet like, mm-mm. <laughs> it's not happening. And then this year, I think it's been more just like guys watching movies, guys talking. Yeah, like the card game hasn't been as big this year, but I think the team is still tight. It's just like, I don't know, it just ain't really happening this year on the plays. Your rookie year, did they have you, did you have like a pink backpack or you the one that got donuts and all that stuff? Like, did you have rookie duties? Your rookie year? Mine was to bring soap. So, like, <laughs> probably if you look back, I probably had soap, like, in my my little the side of my backpack for every game. Make sure you bring soap. Make sure you bring soap. Because I remember one game we didn't bring it, and they find us something crazy. And, like, I was like, all right. I went to Costco looking like an idiot. Got a whole cart. I still, bro, I still have some of the soap on top of my <laughs> Top of my <laughs> like I bought, so, I bought like five hundred dollars worth of soap, Dove soap. I was like, That's bro, awesome. like ever again they go catch me without it. Yeah. <laughs> so, what um like what piece of advice would you give to like aspiring hoopers? Um, like day to day habits. Like what would you what would you tell the younger generation that aspire to be, you know, anything really, not even just a, a hooper, but for anybody. I think my best advice is to find something that like. 
that drives you. And I'm talking about like a, a reason that goes beyond like, uh, I want to make money. I want to be famous. You know, just I want to play in the NBA. I want to be a doctor or, you know, I want to invent something like that's great. But you need to have a deeper reason that's going to get you up every day because you're going to hit a wall. Like at some point, like it's not going to go right. Like it might be tomorrow. It might be next week. It might be, you know, when you've already made it there and you realize like, man, like I have you know, no motivation anymore. Because if you don't have that thing, then when you hit that adversity, like you're, you're probably going to fold or it's going to break you. But if you can find that for me, faith, or for you, it might be um, inspiring the next generation or it might be your family. Um, if you can find something that really drives you every day, then whatever you're doing is going to be easy. Whether whether the yeah. day is tough or not, you know, you're going to be able to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate awesome. that. That's, that's awesome. wise words. And we really appreciate you coming on Hidden Gems and you know, you're kind of a hidden gem of the NBA yourself. You got a big career ahead and a breakout season and great things ahead for you. So we really appreciate you coming on and, and being a part of this with us. No, brothers, appreciate I, it, man. I appreciate y'all, man. Uh, God bless. I hope y'all stay stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, hopefully we all back to somewhat normal soon, man. <laughs>